Guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. We've got Mr. Colin Ward there. We've got Mr. Tony Morales. Welcome to the only podcast on the planet that is including comic aficionados. Uh, Tony is currently stuck in the Matrix, apparently. (laughs) uh, Dodging invisible bullets, I imagine, because Mercury is in retrograde. He's dodging ex-girlfriends like, Hey, what's going on? You want to watch a movie? Uh, probably not, but uh, I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, like idiot boyfriend. <laughs> but we the are the only thing Jimmy Fallon ever did that was funny. We are the oh. only we're the only uh, podcast that does comics and wrestling with our uh, without piss jugs. We actually go to the bathroom like gentlemen. Oh my gosh, are they doing that in like professional studios? They're they're uh, they're peeing in like. Bed bedpans or something? No, I just always wanted a piss jug to eat at some kid that walked past my window. <laughs> Gruesome. That's valid. Gruesome. <laughs> Get off my mm. goddamn lawn, guys! Welcome, welcome, welcome. For real. This is episode ninety-nine. I am my favorite number, actually. Uh, thank you, Agent Ninety Nine from Get Smart. Uh, Miss Barbara Feldman. If I'm not, couldn't tell you. If I'm uh, not uh, mistaken, uh, Agent Eighty One. Or eighty two. The original Couldn't Inspector tell Gadget. You. The original Inspector Gadget. What? Yeah. Did you not know that? No. I, there was not that much uh canonical episode to episode uh narrative going on right, on so Inspector you, Gadget. You guys are aware of Get Smart, correct? Yes. I've heard of it. Alright. The so, Rock's in it. Uh yes, The Rock is in the uh two thousand eight remake. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Rock. Oh Jesus Christ! Nineteen sixty-five. This was created by Mel Brooks and also what is his name? Uh, Buck Henry, uh, one of my favorite uh, old-school comedians. Yeah, uh, Maxwell Smart, Barbara Feldon, and Agent Ninety-Nine uh, against Agents of Chaos with a K. And I think you know they're serious. They're extremely serious, and they're so German. It's like obviously it's like you know made by a bunch of like by a bunch of awesome Jews, but, like, so obviously the bad guys are 100% German. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> no. it's, it's a wonderful television show. The movie was actually pretty good. I don't know how the fuck we got on this. Anyway, uh, we've got comics to talk about. Uh, now let's, ri- let's ride this wave. Let's ride this wave. All let's right. see what the hell happens. <laughs> it's all about minefields, right? Walking in minefields. Yeah, I keep preaching that shit. All right, so it was funny as hell. Uh, Watched it on Nick at Night back in like the early '90s. Uh, probably one of the best shows on television. It definitely is up there with like Top Secret and uh, Police Squad and. Uh, what about Lancelot Link Secret Chimp? I don't have no idea what the hell that is. What about Shaft? Uh, which, Shaft is a good show. Which Shaft are you talking about? Are you talking about like the original Richard Roundtree or Shaft in Africa or the Shaft from uh, 2001? Richard Roundtree. All of it. If it's Shaft, it's awesome. Uh, She's a bad mother. Hey, shut yeah. your mouth. Shut your mouth. Um, Just talking about Chad. Well, I, we, <laughs> we, we can dig it. Um, 
The the latest incantation of Shaft, by the way, uh, was iteration. Fucking, iteration. Iter- iteration of Shaft was fucking incantation. Was, the latest spell that we cast about Shaft. It was I'm, di- I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, like he, for, <laughs> he, he, he it's, it's like son of Shaft, and he's like, "You were never there. You you bought me the stupidest things for my birthday." Like I one who, day. Who played the son of Shaft? Uh, I don't remember, but because like, it was that Samuel L. Jackson sequel that was like yes. 15 years after the fact, right? Yes. Because I remember seeing that with Jeffrey Wright. We were all like, no, that it's, guy it's just really crushed him. Christian Bale. It, yeah. yeah, Christian Bale. That was a good movie. With, a, with, uh-huh. pe- with Peoples. Um, no, it's, Peoples, that's Jeffrey it, Wright. It's just called Shaft, but the guy uh-huh. that plays Shaft's son is Jesse T. Usher. But he's bitching about the birthday presents he got. Like, he bought me a Super Bowl ring. Like, one day I unwrapped a whole box of Hustlers and a stack of cash. It's like, I thought he could use it. <laughs> Like they were practical dad <laughs> gifts. Like uh, the other day, I, got, got the other, I can't remember exactly where it was. I guess I was at Primo's. The, the past couple of days have been a blur. But someone was telling me the other day about how their dad had taught them about masturbation by taking them to his bedroom, pulling out a, a, a yellow like locked like steel box, and hands them a bunch of old ass. Yeah, we were at Primo's because uh, Big Guns was laughing his ass off and daydreaming about fucking seventies Bush. Uh, handing him a stack of old school penthouse and hustlers. Hmm. But anyway, that's what happens when you walk the minefield. So that's uh, <laughs> that 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 was our day. Like you 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 were MIA. That was not my day. <laughs> you were MIA. Like, we went to a comic book store. I finally found Legend of the Dark Claw. I finally found Spider Boy Team Ups number one. I found a random X Factor that it turned out I already had. Freaking! I punched a veteran in the face. They couldn't play my music, so I had to go there and yell at some poor boy and made him cry in front of his mom, his dad, his girlfriend, and his Uncle Betty. Don't forget his secret. And here we are. Don't forget his secret gay boyfriend. I saw him in the crowd. Nah, but that's that's. Uh... I, I gotta say, I gotta say, I know you guys very well, and I can't keep up with all of your shenanigans. Like this is a lot. Yeah, a lot. yeah, we uh, we were at the Kino show, Omega Nine. I set up the green screen and just set the flag up. Uh, Joey, owner of Minefields, was just uh, not owner of Minefields, owner of Primos. Uh, <laughs> I own was was uh, just hey, Joshua Michaels here. Take some photos. Uh, even like none of the other people put promos out except for us and Big Guns, and uh, we're. We, we're just doing wait, 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 wait. None of this matters. The 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 the, yeah. the big like Tony and Big Guns, the back and forth. Where has that stopped right now? Uh, okay, so basically, the one of the main gimmicks was that Big Guns was constantly like uh, he did a cheap shot to the uh, to the heart scar. To the to the, oh, okay. In, in, so uh, tell us all about that real quick, to, to, Morales. Had some heart surgery. Yeah, heart surgery. He, he's the mm-hmm. death beater. And, uh, death went, beater. Yep. Love it. Got, yeah, the, yeah. got the slap to the chest, to the to the scar, <clears throat> and he, 
He pulled that chicken shit. Oh, my heart, my heart. And then we got Eric, awesome. we got Eric Angel coming out of nowhere, uh, assisting uh, while the uh, ref is not looking. And one, two, three was uh, cleaning the ring, except for the part where Tony's uh, feet were completely wrapped in the... Uh, in the ropes. <laughs> was, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was it was a great heel move. Uh, it really put Big Guns over as a, as a face. Um, all of it was great. Filming Jason, uh, Eric, getting to see Eric after the big Hubble Blue, the the snafu of uh, of the century in Colorado wrestling, and uh, just. Met a lot of good new friends, and I've been working on a lot of different photos for the past couple days. We got, we got the new camera. Unfortunately, it didn't get there in time for the show, but so I had to use the other, the old one I was using. But we, we, we're going to be doing some good shit, man. Uh, this, we've got industry standard here. This is, this is a. I, I'm trying to think of what to name it. I was trying to land on Tiffany. <laughs> That's a pretty good camera, I think. You know, I'm not a camera guy. But uh, you can film. You can film on that camera. You can take stills on that camera. It takes high def US shots. It's got a. It's got a lot of. Uh, it's got a lot of storage capacity based on how, what kind of cards you use. It's got a lot of lens opportunities. It's a real camera. I think that's a that's a major upgrade to the, uh, to the work. And um, I think you're going to be really really happy with your results. I, I agree. In the end, results are what the results are where the money starts. And I, I want to name her Tiffany because my favorite Tiffany. Party, party girl of all time that did a hell of a lot of blow was named Tiffany. And I, I. Oh, I was hoping it was Tiffany. What's it from the? <clears throat> I think we're alone now, and it's etc. But um, well, that's yeah, because she's that's, awesome. That's, I had the folder. I had a Tiffany folder back in the day. Really? Yeah, in second grade. Like I traded, I traded, a, wow. I, I traded a designer trapper keeper uh, folder for this girl named Jennifer who sat next to me that had long brunette hair, and I had a big crush on her. I traded her that for her Tiffany folder. Wow. The only the only girl I had a crush on in elementary school who holds any water now was named Erin. But everyone in the '80s was named Erin, and. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I don't even. Uh, whatever. There you go. I didn't trade her for anything except for like pencil erasers or something. Yeah, We're getting some technical noises. Something's yeah, going on yeah, in, the, in the house of Morales. I'm stopping recording. All right, we're back, guys. We had a little bit of uh, some technical difficulty there. Also, we all had a uh, pretty <laughs> lengthy discussion about who was better naked, Debbie Gibson or Tiffany. Unfortunately, there's no naked pictures of Tiffany. No, they totally are. It's Debbie Gibson that there. I don't recall there being any. There's, there's no. T- there's we no- did not have this conversation. Damn it! There was a biological issue. Are you it sure? It was not a technical issue. I thought. <clears throat> we were, well, I was thinking about Tiffany and Debbie Gibson naked. Well, you know, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Carry on, Joshua. Carry on. That's what we do, Morales. Good to see you again, brother. <laughs> Hello. Was there, there was a. There was an incident. There was a. There's what. What we. <laughs> there was a shit incident. All right, carry on. Incident. There was a shit incident. Oh, that's what the uh, the fire hose noise was. Pretty much. <laughs> You're gonna get the fire hose. All right, carry on. Let's let's get back to it. Tony, what? Did, uh... did you wash your hands? You, you didn't show up here like R. Kelly style, did you? 
It wasn't. No. Don't, no. Don't, yeah. Let's just get off the topic. Let's wow. The topic. No. <laughs> Let's get off the topic. Let's move on. All right. You guys want to go straight into comic books? Because we've been fucking around for a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us off with something that's a little bit more alike most of our most of our our um, broadcasts or our, our shows and say that my son and I made it to a signing event at Shadow Mountain Comics in Tulsa on Friday nice. to visit with Sam J Jones, uh, the actor who portrayed Flash Gordon in the eponymous Flash Gordon 1980 film, one of my favorite movies. It was way one of my favorite movies, way before Ted came out. Though I do love Ted, and I do love that Flash Gordon is all over those movies. Um, he was great. He was awesome. He's so fit. He, he, you know, he is as old as he is, but he looks like a million bucks. He really engages with his fans. He will sign anything. Uh, he's. Uh, He's got. He had posters there for the documentary that was made about him, released in 2019, called uh, "Life After Flash," uh, about his his difficulties as a as an actor and as an adult. And then uh, it may be something that's a little polarizing and difficult for us to sometimes talk about. But his uh, foray into he, he's he's a saved person. His foray into Christianity and how that's changed his life for the better. Um, it's a great documentary, and if you get a check, if you get a second to watch it, it's totally worth it. I watched it during uh, COVID lockdown on YouTube. Paid for it; it was great. Uh, but yeah, he was awesome. He's in great shape. He has a killer buzz cut. Uh, if you want to know what he's been doing when he's not acting, he has been a an independent security contractor in Mexico. He is a professional bodyguard sometimes. Um, cause he's a freaking specimen. The guy's an amazing, he's a, he's a Marine and he's a former footballer and he's built. So he's working with uh, the cartels. Gotcha. <laughs> he's, 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 wor- he's working against the cartels, I think. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's on the wrong side of the law in any fashion. Uh, he's, dude, it just, it's awesome to meet somebody who has any degree of, uh, professional, public limelight and have a great experience with them like that and um yeah i met him in 20 i think it was 2017 at texas pinball festival i was super enthused to meet him there and uh, they were highlighting the heck out of the old flash gordon pinball machine at that festival and he told me that one of the perks of being able to be the headliner at the uh at the uh, at the festival was that he got to go away with a reconditioned machine so oh, he's got awesome. one and I don't, and it is a notoriously difficult game to play. There are a lot of things you have to set up in that game to be able to accrue major points. But um, my boy and I had a really great time. Uh, we got to talking to a dude there who, uh, it's, like I say, Shadow Mountain Comics. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, there are a lot of fantastic comic book shops in this world. And there are a lot of them that are not Shadow Mountain Comics. And the reason I say that is as a as a as a uh, as a business as an, and as a venue, these guys are moving way high grade first appearances, first issues. I mean, this is a madhouse of golden age and silver age, high grade, high quality comics. 
and I'm not being paid to say this. I'm just saying legitimately, if you're in Tulsa, you need to check this place out. It's at 61st and Sheridan, and then it's right next door to a killer toy store, the name the, the name of which escapes me right now. Uh, and likewise, those guys are also moving some great toy merchandise, vintage toys, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Lego, Power Rangers, Transformers, Marvel toys, DC toys. It's out of control. It's it's a mecca that that little strip mall. I'm not even kidding. But um, yeah, we had a great time. I mean, when was the last time you guys got anything signed and you were really excited about it? Well, there was a last uh, couple of weeks ago when I found that Ash number one signed, but actually signed. Um, that'd be um, two G signing my she number one. You were there. Oh yeah, yeah. That is too long ago. You need to go to another signing. We all. We got it, man. I got up. My, my work schedule is going to clear up, and my girlfriend and I want to travel. And I'm like, let's go to Denver. Let's find something to do. Well, we will hang out. We've been talking about that. It's gonna happen, and we will have to do a recording, the three of us in person. That, that will we be nice, recording. considering you've only come here once, the entire ten <laughs> years I've lived here. Um, I know you have a beef with me about that, but my professional. World is a wicked taskmaster. Well, as we all know. Before I get too into it, we were at All Seeds the other day. Like, uh, mm -hmm. there was a photo I've been meaning to send you. They have a Submariner number one, a 5.5 grade. It's, uh, oh, it's that's sick. 7.99, signed by Roy Thomas. Oh wow, that is right up my alley. A Submariner number one. Yep. It's not like a first it, It's oh man, no, no I know the one you're talking. I can think of that cover. He's holding the trident and he's like super, mm, super biceps and everything. I'll oh send, man, right that's a mad, mad book right there. And I don't was, know, Morales. Well, you're sending that, Morales. What did you? What was the last thing you got signed somewhere that was awesome for you? Oh, I'm not gonna lie. I don't have have all the stuff I've got. I don't have anything signed as of yet. I had to make that a point to change that with the Colorado Springs Comic Con or Denver Comic Con. Joshua's expression. And all that was, I could have had a Joe Casada signed Ash, and I bypassed it because my friend would like it more. That is correct. He did. That's. I, I do. Uh, that is a bump right there. You I took do, the bump. Way I, to go. I do owe him my mortal soul until I get some better promo photos of him done. <laughs> Man. Hopefully. Or at least Wolverine Origins 10 or 11. No, I already told you I'd give you 10 and 11. I've got, <laughs> I've got them. Dude, if I've got them, you can have them. No. I, I just don't. You, 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 you were, Joshua, you can give them to him if you want to. I'm you, just saying, I don't you know if were, I've got them. You were with me when I bought those. We were at that shitty fucking uh, uh, comic store, and I found five Wolverine Origins number 10, and I bought them. They were all like a doll. No, Which shitty I, I like how the fact I like the fact that this Submariner number one is legitimately right next to the first appearance of Jubilee. Correct. You know the other reason I owe you my <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> By the way, Vans has that and the first appearance of Kitty Pride. With the first, first appearance oh, of yeah. isn't that the first appearance of uh, White Queen as well? I don't know that for a fact, but freaking, mm. I was there the other day. I'm not that. sure, and if that's the case, I've got one, uh, because I'm a. I'm, I w there was a. There was a. I went through like a trend, being really hot for uh, white queen stuff, 
when I had her first cover appearance, mm-hmm. and that was two issues, if I'm not mistaken, after her first appearance in the in the books. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that for sure, but I know it's the, because uh, it's the one with Kitty Pride in the middle being like, welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you survive the, uh... Yeah, I hope you survive the experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's at Vans. I'm not sure I might have that. How much? I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Friggin', I was looking, I was looking for more X-Factor stuff. So I'm officially down to only 10 issues of the first 70 issue run of X-Factor left. Nice. Hmm. Welcome, so. welcome to the single issue club because the graphic novel club is fucking for clown shoes, man. <laughs> yeah, we're getting through that one and the uh, the initial image run of Wildcats right now, which is substantially harder to find. <laughs> oh God, what did you guys read this week? Uh, yeah. All right, I'll sound off here. We got Wave of X number three. Green Green Arrow 80th anniversary issue. I assume that's an issue number one. Spawn, I want to yeah. hear about that first. I want that. That's the first book I want to hear about today. Cool. Spawn's universe number one. Something's killing children number <clears throat> seventeen. All of Heroes Reborn one through seven. Heroes Return number one. Marvel Double Action number one. American Knights number one as well. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one hundred and eighteen. Sword number six and Stray Dogs oh, number good. five. But, yes, I'm, I but, really want to hear more about Stray Dogs but, after we but, talked about it recently. Don't forget. And I'm really looking forward to your sword review today. we got to talk about Loki, though. Episode 3. We do need to talk about Loki. Yes. Hold on. That, we that, we, that, we, that, we, that, we, we got we to ask Ole Morales here. You cool with us talking about it? Have you seen it yet? I have not, but I don't care. I'll get around to it eventually. I'll forget everything. It's all good. Cool. Okay, wait a minute. Now, folks, obviously, minefielders... Our, our peace loving listeners and, and, and viewers. Uh, yes, welcome to spoilers. Obviously, we're going to drop a thing right here in the in the thing. I'm going to say on my recording, it's 28 minutes and 11 seconds, and then boom, it'll be, you know, you'll see when this is over. If you're, you're not, haven't watched it yet, you can skip this part and come back. Loki, I got to say, I really, really like this show. Uh, I love the freaking music in this show. Has the music hit you guys like it hits me? And I'm a, I'm a soundtrack fiend. You're no, a soundtrack you don't care? fiend, and I'm a DJ, and I didn't give two shits about the music. I'm sorry. Dude, I think... I think uh, a little bit... I gotta say two or three things about this show. It's a little bit high on its horse, because if we're gonna go through that, like, massive art department, props department photo credit sequence in every episode and then we're going to cut to black and do the rest of the credit sequence that goes on for like five more minutes oh that music was awesome i did i did remember listening to that that was that was really good music yeah, that's what i'm saying it's the score for the series the loki theme for this series is badass so in episode three when they're running around on the planet that is named after the name of the episode but I don't recall off the top of my hand, it was like, you know, like Lamentus 1 or whatever. Like, that music is intense. And that scene is intense, and everything is really exciting. Um, I, I mean, like, oh God, dude. You know, and then the revelation in the third episode, welcome to spoilers again, the revelation that all of the people working at the Time, Ver- the, is it time Variance Authority? Yeah. 
TVA, the Tennessee Valley Authority. Welcome to the Great Depression. No, the TVA. Everybody working there is a variant. I was like, that. That is how we get to the idea that our 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 suspicion our suspicion that Kang the Conqueror, the time traveling supervillain of Avengers fame, might in fact be our uh, Mobius character. Correct. I like that idea. Let alone he could be Immortus. Let alone he could be Ramatut. The way like they, it could be any number of things. The way they split it, it's it's the, the they're making him so uh, innocent looking as the guy that wants to mm-hmm. fix things. But if anyone that really wants to fix anything to make sure that he's on top is fucking King the Conqueror. <clears throat> and it's not the judge. It's not the judge. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in the scene where he's fighting, Loki's fighting. What is it? Her Sophie or? Sylvie. Sylvie. Sylvie yeah. is, uh, there is a painting to, if you're watching, to the right that is explicitly King. I need to go back and check that out. On, I on, on the did right, not catch it, that, it, that it, Easter egg. It looks just like him, uh, but I can't be mistaken because I did mistake some Doombots for King uh, impersonators. Oh, well. But, that's just knowing vintage illustrative qualities that's not that's not like a serious that's not a real mistake i like this episode for the character development because we didn't have to worry about for real uh any uh owen wilson nonsense it was just getting to know loki getting to know himself and the the sharing of magic how did you do that you know like you don't have a plan uh that was just a, a bullshit like you know ruse there but like she can she can enchant people in a way that he can't mm-hmm. and the way they, they the way they share their magic the way um i do gotta say that like it was uh, it, it it made me think of snowpiercer any of you guys seen snowpiercer or read snowpiercer yeah 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 anything with a train yeah no I've, I've seen the movie it's uh uncomfortable to watch for sure yep but this time um, the poor people weren't allowed on it and uh their their arc out of this because he teleports to the one armageddon that they are not going to be able to get the fuck out of and he breaks the goddamn uh (laughs) the teleporter i don't think that thing's broken i think that that was a there's no way that thing's broken there's absolutely no way loki would have let that break it, it, that was all a ruse. I think. Uh, I think all of this is one of those things, like where uh, Morpheus is fighting the uh, a demon in hell. And... Morpheus. Morpheus. No, 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 no. I know. I'm talking about Morpheus and the Sandman, where he's got to retrieve. Oh, thanks. He's got to retrieve a specific item that was stolen from him, and one demon in hell has it, and he's got to fight him. During the fight, mm-hmm. it was revealed that Morpheus was never actually in the fight. It was an avatar of himself. And they pan out, and, like, they're fighting in the palm of his hand, and he just crushes the fucking guy. And it's, it's just... Wow, all right. It, it's, it's a big, giant ruse, and I, I, in no way am I going to ever believe that this girl is going to get the best of our Loki. Like, he has already set everything up. I'm not so sure. I, I feel like she's way more hardcore than he is, and she's been playing a years and years long uh, long game. And uh, I just, I get, it's, it's the, you know, you get, you get an actor portraying a character for 
multiple seasons and they think they've got a bead on that character and that's how they do it. And then the show writers, the showrunner, the, sh- the writers decide to do something different with that character, you know, season five or six. And they're like, if you guys had told me you were doing that before the big reveal, I would have done something differently to help set it up. And they're like, we didn't want you to do that. That's the quality of your character, you know, being a different person or uh, being replaced by a duplicate for however long or any number of other things. So, I mean, Tom Hiddleston, dude, he's a producer on the series. He knows everything they're going to do with him. And that girl, that lady has been consistent in the way she has portrayed her character. She is so believable at what she's doing that I don't even completely believe she's a Loki. I don't. I really. Don't. I, don't, I don't think she's a Loki at all. Not. Not. Not yeah. the least bit. Uh, like. Yeah, I can't they, even quantify her as being plausibly fully an Asgardian. What if it's you know? There's there's so many like I, I get so peeved by like fan theories on things sometimes because it's always I know, a, I just, it, it's, it's always a com- it's always accompanied by some bullshit clickbait like. Check out Daniel Radcliffe suited as this person. I'm like, wait, is that really happening? I know it's clickbait. It's just some bullshit, like decent fan work. But it's it's just some clickbait shit. Like I don't know. Like who is she? I don't care. I just want this to end and and, and introduce fucking Kang. (laughs) And and, like yeah, all like if this show has Kang in it for five or six episodes and it's a big deal and it's awesome, then it is a massive win for everybody uh and then if that turns into a if that spins a whole thing into the feature films i will be super pleased about it um i mean i'm, I'm really loving the show uh morales where are you on it you're on uh i've only uh, i've only finished the first episode so oh, okay gotcha yeah i've got, no, I've got a no, ways no. to catch up so it's yeah. When you get an opportunity, it's totally worth it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm ready to watch the other shows that I haven't been able to catch up with on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm all caught up with everything else. But that. If they really wanted to wanted us to get really excited about it, you know, Disney Plus could throw us some money uh, or some exclusivity. But um, <clears throat> that's just a suggestion. Let's give us some interviews. Yeah, give us some interviews with some people. Do you, do you, do you guys really <laughs> want Minefields to get in the pocket of Disney? It's not being. They don't everything else. Why not? It's giving us the opportunity. I could use another boat. You know what? I'm just gonna say, if I can't name my boat Slave One, then uh, because of Disney. Oh Jesus Christ! You saw that shit today. I saw that yesterday. Like, okay, let's talk about that real quick. I have not Rest seen it. this shit. What shit is and this? Then we got to get into some comics. But there, there Slave is... One is has for decades been the name of Boba Fett, the Star Wars bounty hunters. Starship. That was the name that was printed on every Kenner accessory Starship playset. You know, that's what it was. It was never named in the movie. There are dozens of ships that were never named in the movie. What the hell is the Tanta V5? We don't know. What the hell is the Tanta V4 for that matter? We don't know. These are the names that were associated to these vehicles by uh, by the product franchises and stuff like that. So Slave One has been the name of Boba Fett's ship for decades. And then Disney decided we're not going to name keep naming that ship Slave One any longer. It's going to be Boba Fett's starship. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a ship class for the ship. 
that I can't even recall, and it's way cooler than calling it a Boba Fett starship. Yep. What are your thoughts and opinions on this? I think this is some fucking snowflake, fucking wokester bullshit, man. Like, like who the fuck? I don't, I don't give a goddamn that I'm not black or African American, but I'm not gonna walk past a Nothing fucking Lego shower. set that says Slave One and get triggered and not fucking buy it. This is so ridiculous, man. This is this is McCarthyism <clears throat> at its fucking weakest, faggiest, man. Like this, this is stupid, and like. It's and I use that word very carefully because it's this. This is some. This is a bunch of goddamn betas trying to take over the fucking world because they they were picked on too much, and or or, or couldn't get the the better of someone at work. This is this is infuriating. Um, I I I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to save. I want I want to I want to like link that back to our conversation about heroes reborn here in a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna touch back on this this is a good touchstone moment what do you got tony you got any thoughts on this yeah i'm not i'm not a huge star wars fan so like it doesn't bother me at all Mm -hmm. but like you know i i get the thought it's it's nipping something in the bud before it becomes a problem like you know what? it's not necessarily that, it's not necessarily that they're that they that like somebody spoke out against it, mm-hmm. but it's more so like this could be a problem, so we're gonna make sure it doesn't become a problem. I do agree with Colin though, where if they already have an established cooler name, go with that. Yeah, I get, I'd have to but look like, it up. I'm gonna look it up while you're t- telling us this. But yeah, Carry I don't, I, I I can totally see why. You would you would like I don't want to call it slave one anymore, like it's not necessarily like I said it's not necessarily that somebody whined and complained about it and they're like oh you know wow blah blah blah, but it's like freaking I see there's a problem, I'm gonna nip this in the bud that way it doesn't cost me millions of dollars because somebody got upset about it. Yeah. Okay. It's called Slave One. Fire Spray 31 class. Like, why don't they just call it Boba Fire Spray 31? Fire Spray 31. Just rename it, rebrand it. Technically, the only place where we've ever seen that is printed on thousands of playset packaging boxes from Lego to Galoob Micro Machines to Kenner to Palatoy in England and any other number of i mean yeah it's it's not canonical so make something else canonical it's it's this you know we we get it's one thing when you organically change something it's a whole other thing to just rip the tape off or throw people into an icy lake rather than ease them into the concept but i'm i i really do appreciate your idea there because in my business we are woefully behind in forethought and anticipation of what our needs are to the point where people are asking me to just shit a couch, you know, at the (laughs) the drop of a hat. And I'm like, dude, I I can't just get you another couch right now because you don't like the upholstery on this one. And like my whole life is if you guys could think about, think better about what you want in the future I you know we'll land on something we're all gonna gonna agree on, but I gotta say this is is interesting because TLG the Lego Group is the ones who are making this decision, 
and getting out ahead of something. And I can appreciate that. And at the same time, Joshua, man, I totally agree. This is frustrating and it's silly. But like if somebody had come out and said it was a big deal, we know that it would be the difference between bowing before public opinion or just being like, hey, we're just going to do this and maybe you will all not get on our case about it. Simultaneously, I got to say, like several, a couple of weeks ago, Lego put out a uh, LBGTQ Lego set. I saw that. And I saw a guy get online and complain that it was the dumbest thing he'd ever seen. And the world set him on fire (laughs) over it. And I got to say, dude, all you had to do was not say that. All you had to do was sit there and keep your irritated opinion to yourself and not spread something, you know, like, yeah, just don't spread something hateful. And, like, the other, you know, AFOLs, adult fans of Lego, went absolutely apeshit on this guy. And I'm like, he's probably no longer a member. He's probably no longer on these forums. I don't care. And I'm just looking at his job. (laughs) Maybe he has. Like, I mean, I've talked to a a bunch of people who it doesn't matter anymore whether or not you legitimately said something, you know, vicious against people. All people have to do is just decide. I don't like that person. And I can just say that they're uh, they're that guy. I, I can just say that they're a problem. It's soft focus happening to me with some people in my industry right now. They've decided that they don't like my consistent success, and they're telling people that I'm something bad. And, like, is that affecting my ability to get jobs? I don't know yet, but I know I'm putting a focus group together. We'll see what happens. Like, (laughs) these things happen. Like, Like, if TLG wants to get out ahead of it, then fine. Hey, they're doing it. But I see, like, I'm I'm looking at both directions and going, man, this is this is uh, solving a problem that was probably a non-problem, but it's the mere fact of the existence of a world that's going to make somebody uncomfortable, and maybe you're not going to make that same green dollar, you know. But it, it, anyway, it wasn't the Tuskegee Airmen one, uh, like this. This, <laughs> yeah, this is, this Dude, is that's a good point. What if they were? Yeah. It's not taking something that is quantifiably somebody else's and making money off of that. Yeah, it wasn't it's the... It's just like, it hey, wasn't the name. It wasn't you know? the remember a shameful part of America's history one. It was just slave one because that's just Boba Fett shit. It sounded fucking rad in the 80s. And now it's... Because he's an evil guy. Yeah. Like, simultaneously, let me tell you what, what most... Like, I think... Star Wars as a franchise did more wrong than ever naming a starship Slave One that was never specifically mentioned in canon. It's that after you watch all of the all of the original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy, and you get into this new uh, follow up trilogy, seven, eight, and nine. It's that the if you're trying to depict the First Order as a faceless evil organization. They were obviously but they Asian. decided to make <laughs> Yeah, they're Asian, black, female, uh 
what else? Uh, pe- people from Bangladesh? I don't know. Like any number of mixed, non-white, non, non-white people in first order, and I'm like. At least when you're watching The Empire in The Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars and Return of the Jedi, you're seeing this, like, homogenous organization, you know? It's quantifiably racist Germany or something like that. There are no aliens. There's just too, there much, too much looking into it, and it's just, it's it's exhausting. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a it's... hell of a rabbit hole. It's it's just exhausting, but Leah, we got to disparage rabbits because I don't want to get canceled by rabbits. I know, right? But uh, we wanted to do uh, <laughs> I mean, Green and Arrow. we're and we're canceled. And huh? Sorry, we're can- oh, and we just got canceled. We're we're, we're totally canceled. Yeah, we're we're totally canceled. <laughs> we're canceled. We're gonna get canceled. Yeah. We're gonna get canceled for supporting, uh, for supporting and rabbits. being allies, and at the same time not being allies enough. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen to yeah, us. That's, anyway, that's not true. We're, we're... I, for one, welcome our rabbit overlords. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Wait, Bones what kind of rabbits? What kind of rabbits? You like? <laughs> is it cottontail rabbits or is it jack rabbits? No, fuck those all, cottontail guys. All rabbits. All yeah, rabbits. All, all oh, rabbits. Oh, we're all all of rabbits. our rabbit overlords. Okay, we're all all the rabbit overlords. All right. All right. All right. All right. I like Benicula. Benicula can be my. My lord and savior. <laughs> I will pop for Benicula every time. <laughs> Celery stalks at midnight. <laughs> yeah. That should be it. John has a long mustache. The chair is against the wall. The celery stalks at midnight. That's how you defeat the Soviets in Red Dawn. 100%. All right, all right, all right. Let's go. Let's what get do some we green got? Arrow. I want to hear first about the Green Arrow action, man. All right, we've got Green Arrow, 80th anniversary, number one. 100 page super spectacular all new adventures of the emerald archer so we've got a plethora of shorter green arrow stories did you say all nude adventures oh (laughs) again can't we're canceled twice now yeah we're canceled (laughs) we've been canceled twice in the span of the first half hour of this show (laughs) let's see how many times we can get canceled in this issue alone and not even try. We're just we're not even we're not even gonna make it to the one hundredth episode, one hundred page, one hundredth issue spectacular. Cancelled. Again. Cancelled. <laughs> Cancelled twice in ninety nine <laughs> episodes. You said eighty pages? Cancelled. Exactly. Hundred page super. We got a, we got a multitude of different stories. We've got a multitude of different artists. We've got a, we we're, no this first issue. We've got classic Green Arrow, freaking with Speedy, mm-hmm. freaking, and they're hunting down this mysterious disappearing uh, bank robber basically, and they end up catching him utilizing an arrow that shoots paint because it's a Green Arrow. Um, and they end up catching up because he ends up turning invisible is what the, the joke is. You know, we end up getting, we go into the next issue where Green Arrow's taking boxing lessons from a badass boxer and Batman comes out who's just finished his training session with this mysterious boxer and he just talks about how uh, they have a little tete-a-tete about how uh, Green Arrow has stolen his car, his his idea for the Batmobile, <laughs> stolen his idea for the Batcave. Uh huh. That's awesome. And he's just like, and Green Arrow is just like, this guy's kind of a dick. 
<laughs> and then Black Canary comes in while in the middle of their boxing lesson as Green Arrow gets one to the stomach, possibly the jejunum. And we find out that this mysterious badass boxer is actually Wildcat, who is the guy that trained Black Canary to fight. So, one of the best things about this issue is just, like, there's so many little stories, but, like, this this one issue, um, the, the thing with Wildcat ends up leading to the creation of the Boxing Glove Arrow, which is one of the, one of the goofier trick arrows from back in the day. But uh, it's just it's this is basically a hundred page love letter to all that is Green Arrow. Freaking we we got we've uh, a multitude of stories revolving around his love affair with uh, Black Canary. You know why they got married, why they didn't get married for so long. You know because he basically proposes to her and she's just like, why are we gonna ruin what we already have? You know why do you why do you want to change it? Why is this not enough? And like we got that, we had uh, we got dealings with Roy Harper, where he talks about he tells his daughter about how he was addicted to to drugs, and how that was such a huge issue back in the day. Um, and like Green Arrow's telling them, they're telling a story while Roy's out um, on a case, and Green Arrow's at home babysitting Roy's daughter. And like he, they're talking about how Roy was originally raised by the Navajo Indian tribe. And they talk about, they like legitimately stop and like have a little article about how the Navajos would uh, tell these stories from generation to generation. Um, we got uh, multitude, we got a couple issues where it talks about Amiko, his ha- uh, Oliver Queen's half daughter. We've got an issue where it talks about Connor Hawk, who's the son of Green, Ar- uh, Green Arrow. We've got a. Uh, Current star. Yep. We've got a little bit where they talk about Shadow, who was a ninja. Um, we got we just a multitude of stories, and we actually have the uh, the final Green Arrow, the the last Green Arrow story at the very end, where he ends up going back to Nanda Parbat or not Nanda Parbat, uh, the island where he was, uh, where he had to become Green Arrow, where he had to learn how to how to shoot an arrow, bow and arrow to survive. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is Nanda. I think it is Nanda Parbat actually could be wrong on that but he's a he's an old man he ends up getting an arrow from another man that still lives on the island and setting himself on fire basically almost like he's sacrificing himself and then the very last story which is epic is just um um, just a child and he keeps having these uh, he's, he's speaking but there are all these pictures in his in his speaking bubbles and no matter where he's at, he talks about this kid, you know, he's uh, reading a newspaper, reading comic book in one. He's uh, in the Navy in one. He's writing a story in one. He's working in an office building. Um, he gets an award for a best issue. Um, he's got a family in one page. Um, he's raising his son in the other. He's, a, he's an older man now, and he's watching TV. And he's even older, and he's, he's writing something on a computer. And then he's sick. And this old man ends up passing away, and Green Arrow is holding his hand, surrounded by a plethora of other heroes. And it's a tribute to Dennis O'Neill, nice. who uh, nice. passed away last year. That's wonderful. And it's all the characters he he worked with over the years. And that's how they decided to end this story. Um, I love these like these huge, gigantic 
anniversary issues are always awesome to read. Like my one thing is like a lot of this stuff doesn't tend to carry over into like other comic books. But right now, I mean, really, we're only seeing Green Arrow in the new Checkmate series. They're doing a six-part limited series. And then he's also involved in uh, Justice League. So I'm really hoping this will end up lead, like this will sell well enough that it'll lead to them redoing the uh, bringing back the Green Arrow monthlies because awesome. that was one of the ones that kind of fell off with uh, when Doomsday Clock kind of took forever to come out. 100%. Oh, yeah. So, hoping this leads to them redoing, bringing back Oliver Queen in a more high profile role. Other, just, other than just being mm. the jokester in, in JLA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's cool, but like, I, I like the fact that they actually went to the whole thing with him and Batman, though. Because, like, originally when he was created, he was blatantly a Batman ripoff. He was a Batman Robin Hood hybrid. Freaking, you know, he had he had he had the arrow cave and he had the arrow car and he had Speedy, his dutiful ward. You know, mm-hmm. he had all that nonsense. And like well, over time he became his own character, which is something I appreciate. But that's what I'm saying. Organic development. But unfortunately I think that any of these characters that have a ward come out of that time period where there they were there was the idea that like we need to we need to introduce the kids. characters, yeah. So we market. So so you have an you have the uh, the inside concept. You know what if what if I was Speedy? What if I was Robin? What if I was Bucky? You know, and mm-hmm. I could do that stuff. And uh, that was when comic books got super nailed on the idea that there was homosexual overtones. Like, what are these guys doing with these teenagers? And blah blah blah. And it was never that way. It just wasn't. No, nope. except Robin's costume. That was the. Uh, that was where it was. Yeah, but it, whatever. It, it, Robin's costume was definitely a little uh, suggestive. Uh, there it was, was. Yeah. There was. Uh, it, it, it took. It took him until Tim Drake to finally give him pants. Right. <laughs> there, I'm trying to point that out. That was three shorts. That was three Robins. You're not your freaking khakis, okay? Sometimes you're just Robin. He just needs more pocket. He needs more pouches. They always need more pouches. <laughs> Issue eleven of the Tick, when he gets to the city, the the, the main big city, uh, and uh-huh. they go to the uh, superhero uh, uh, bar, uh, escorted there by uh, the the Greek god of the aqueduct, <laughs> and that can transport water in any place. But Arthur has to; he's not allowed to hang in, hang out with everyone else. He has to go to the Sidekicks Lounge. <laughs> And he gets to the sidekicks lounge, and it's and I'm like, what's, what the hell is going on here? And he's like, we're all, and this one kid's like, uh, we're all age eleven to fourteen, uh, teenage sidekicks, uh, and we all have pouty, beautiful lips. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a wonderful gag. Yeah, get it. That gag is good. Did you ever see the uh, Venture Brothers episode where? Uh... What was it, Dean or Hank? I can't remember which one gets sent to uh, Captain Sunshine's house and yeah. has to play his car- play his sidekick. And oh man, it's super difficult to get to get through that one. But like hey, every Sunshine Studios, episode, <laughs> Sunshine Studios. I don't. Hey, we're not doing minefields after dark yet. Hey, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Segue. Let's segue. Let's do. Let's do a uh, way. X number three, Tony, to take point. 
I don't know if I can right now. Right, well, I'll take point. All right, so fucking nine point. We might have got banned. We might have got banned again. Nine, nine, yeah, we canceled. Oh God, yeah, we canceled number three. <laughs> we get canceled. Uh, canceled for inside jokes number three. Correct. We've got Nightcrawler. One of the things I loved about all the X books that is going on. Three. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Tony's giving Minefield has cero miedo. Cero miedo. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Cero miedo. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait till fucking people f- figure out what we're gonna do in a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, like it is gonna be uh, something else. But anyway, I love how all of the Hellfire Gala, Hellfire Gala books that have been throughout all the X books, except for um, uh, X Corp are mm-hmm. all cohesive and we get to way of x which is primarily nightcrawler where he wakes up hung over as fuck <laughs> just absolutely because he got way too like oh, oh my god i'm such an, an idiot and he uh he loves his gin and tonic yes he does and he calls uh dr nemesis and he's like uh i imagine you're after a laboratory grade hangover curious <laughs> uh the, the real point of this story here is that uh, Legion. Yeah. Legion, who used to be in love, uh, had a really amazing relationship with Blindfold, encounters two uh, mutants that are having trouble connecting because one of their powers is to shed things that they touch. And what he does is he gets in their mind, because, uh, aided by Pixie, uh, we've got a... Mercury and Loa, and he gives them the experience of what it's like to psychically bind with somebody, and basically it's a million first dates and last dates and, like, getting to know each other on the most profound level that you can experience, but what's actually happening is he's only doing it because he knows that it's gonna, it's going to pull the, uh, what's the boogeyman's name? The, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, yeah. The, I saw the guy. The, the patchwork man. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but who is Onslaught, who immediately is psychically attacking this. They, they, mm-hmm. they, they really want to weed Onslaught out, but it's still a tale of uh, Kurt trying to figure out, like, you know, like the, the religion. And what do they need? What, yeah. What, what, what do they need? Exactly. And one of the rules is, you know, make more mutants. And he encounters a mutant that has been giving people mutant condoms and delivering mutant abortions. And he's like, hey, you can't do this. And she's calling him a hypocrite. Like, you don't understand what's going on here. And she takes him to the back room of this, uh, what does she call it? The, the Bower. And it's like Swiss Family Robinson, but an abortion clinic. And in the back is a nursery for all of the mutants that have been born since Krakoa since Krakoa's inception. The, the problem is going that's going on here is that these mutants have no regard for actions for their fucking consequences. So they're fucking like rabbits and they're either killing their kids, aborting them, or they're just leaving abandoning them. them. Yeah, abandoning them at at at, at the bout. He she takes Nightcrawler into, like, it, it's like, imagine a giant patchwork of flowers where children are being reared uh, as infants. Uh, like, it's, it's like a NICU. And 
Yeah, huh. you, you you want more mutants? Here you fucking go. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that's a huge difference. Want more mutants versus no more mutants, you know? Correct. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, um, because that's the, the, the ending of this book, is um, hmm? they, they, they weed out Onslaught, they don't catch him, and he figures out how to, like, avoid David Haller's detection. But uh, we've got, um, what is what is her name? Uh, uh, Lost, Lost or Marionette? Lost, yeah. Hardcore PTSD. Does not remember things that, that have happened to her and why she's got, like, some mental problems. Encounters Fabian Cortez, who's like, he's, oh. he's, he's being a drunk asshole. And he's like, I was a member of the Acolytes. And, like, he gets cut off and she's like, I remember. Like, wait, 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 wait. How long has he been around? I haven't heard anything from him in years. Fabian Cortez is an, is an awesome character. We're, we're talking X-Men number one. Um, when Yeah, he's, he's been around forever, but yeah, I don't remember any huge stories since until Krakoa. Correct, correct. Other than, like, back in the 90s. Correct. Oh, dude, let me, go, let me go one further. If you go back and look at it, the original Marvel Zombies books, Fabian Cortez is a big part of that because all the acolytes are living on Asteroid M, the only people who haven't been killed or eaten by the zombies, and Magneto is their leader and the only guy that hasn't been zombified yet. Go back and check that out if you're. I Thank mean, you. why would any like who gives a rip? It's no, Fabian that's, that's Cortez. That's still awesome. That, that's, that's, it's still awesome. It's good. It's good material. Well, well, you got to realize that Fabian Cortez is a genocidal <laughs> maniac, and and is has, he? yes, he has. He's like, don't forget, they destroyed a hospital, like like they. they him and the acolytes did some absolute disgusting, like Nazi shit, uh, which oh. is what sparked something in Lost Head. Like whatever they did, she was a part of, or someone she loved was a part of, and she fucks him up. And mm. you know, Legion comes to the rescue with Zorn. Uh, we've got man, Doctor Doctor Nemesis, just like sucking it up at the bar and you know just you know that we got that point done and he's like you know we got to take that that chance the, the the leap never taken and he goes up to dazzler after she gets off stage and says i i really want to apologize for being boorish and would you care to dance and he we've got a, an amazing shot of dazzler my love interest of all time with dr nemesis <laughs> And, uh, man, I, w I was thinking that No More Mutants was integral to this. This is actually more of the uh, story that's going on in S.W.O.R.D. In S.W.O.R.D., what's happening is um, they, they've, re they've established a, a second S.W.O.R.D. base on the orbit of Mars. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the real meat and potatoes of this is the ending of the, the gala is that Wanda shows up. When everyone's gone and it's just her and and Magneto, and she's like, I didn't think I belonged here, and he's like, Hey, come on, like, let's just. You're, I know you're not really my daughter, but you're still my daughter. And okay, like, why is it not really her do his daughter? Uh, it's one of those retcon things that happened a couple of years ago that he's not actually the, she's not actually the daughter, uh, like. It, it's it's kind of bullshit, but they're 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 fixing it. Like this little bit is them fixing it. It's it's the uh, uh, he may have been your your father, but he he wasn't your daddy. Like that makes sense. 
Guardians. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they have the yeah. dance. They have the dance. Oh, okay. I get that. And, yeah, okay. And, no, and I can live with that. Last week, one of the X-Books <laughs> saw the, the last bit we saw of a... Uh, of a nightcrawler was him passing out drunk in one of the ballrooms, and we see Magneto dancing with someone, and we get to that point where this is the the dance that's going on here. They've established the uh, the I don't know the, the the space force outside of Mars, and we get a nice tender moment with with Magneto, which inevitably means we're going to see some bullshit happen really fucking soon. Yeah, yeah. He kills everybody. No more Krakoa. Nah. Dude, no more Krakoa. That's how you end that. This like, is... I would not have beef with Scarlet Witch or some other character if No More Mutants doesn't exist anymore because of because we're past Battle World and because we're past Chaos Magic and we're ca- past all of these other world resets. Then, I mean, that phrase is as much a character as any other. It, character it, in the entire narrative. It really is. It's the. It's a. It's another yeah. uh, with great power. It's another. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. It was my favorite moment in Marvel X related comics to go down from a mutant power for every conceivable thing you could think of to 198 powerful mutants in the world who are endangered and trying to figure things out. And then the disappointing sequel to that is the prophesized war between man and mutant in the AVX books was not touted properly. Only ending up in, with AVX versus the Phoenix Five. I just feel like they should have that played book. that a little harder, just like they should have played, you know, the 2020 Iron Man 2020 all of that stuff, the 2020 concept up. I mean, if you're going to, if you've got something that has an understood readership, then you've got to hit it while the iron makes sense, while the iron is hot. And, uh, yeah, no more mutants, need more mutants. Whatever you're going to do. I mean, before we get too far, Tony, like I, I really dominated that conversation, man. Like what, what did you take from way of X3? Uh, I enjoyed it, man. It was good. Freaking, it's it's interesting to see, like it's almost like Nightcrawler's just trying to figure out, like he. I mean, he, they blatantly say it. Like, what freaking what does what does mutants need to to come together? You know, at first he's thinking it's this religion, and then he starts going off about how it's, you know, it's the three laws. You know, the three laws: make more mutants, Harm no kill no man, yeah. and respect the sacred land. You know, but I, it makes you wonder, though, like they're basically creating their own society. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of like post-Americana where like the guy just named himself president. Right. You know, like <laughs> it's great and all, but like who the hell are you to tell other people these are your laws? When, when it's a brand new society you know, what, even even with somebody as brilliant as Professor X, you know, he's obviously not without flaws. You know, he was, you know, he was a part of the reason Onslaught was such a thing. He's a bastard. You know, yeah, he could be, he could be a bastard. You know, freaking, but yet we're all just supposed to fall into line because Charles Xavier said so. Right. 
100%. You know, you, you spent, yeah, we, spent, we spent 60 years freaking with Magneto, flip-flopping side to side to side to side, but now we got to listen to Magneto? Yeah. Now we got to listen to right? Apocalypse? Right? Yeah. Sinister. You know, Dude. Why, yeah, Mr. Queen. Sinister's got a big part. White Queen. Uh, you know, White Queen's kind of... White Queen, I feel like, new... being a, a good guy as long as she's been a bad guy at this point. Agreed. Yep. I was thinking Mutant Dem needs a new leader. Yeah. Mutant Dem needs an entirely new leader character. At least Professor X has been consistent, except that when you wonder whether or not his motivations are completely appropriate, you know, you go into Ultimate X and you've got him like stopping a crazy mutant bank robber and being like, okay, no, blah, 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 you're going to work for me and we're going to. We got to bankroll this operation one you know, way or another, and it's like, it's, is this right? It's, it's great you brought that up because it was one of the things I forgot about Sword was mm-hmm. they have the prestige um, uh, diplomats <clears throat> of different worlds within our solar system meet on Mars, and they're like, "Fuck this!" Cool. You, you like, like we, like you, you just proclaim yourselves the capital of the solar system. We can't do this. And they're, like, and, and they're like, well, hold on a second. We have something to offer here. And they give them basically adamant, adamantium, like, beta. It, like, it, it's something that they're able to forge themselves on Mars. And they give everyone, like, a, a solid, like, tri- like pyramid of it. Like, a really spiked pyramid. Cool. Like, hey, here, like, this one thing will make, like, here's how to forge how to use it, but like even like tinfoil thing, it's almost as strong as adamantium. You can literally drive a spaceship through a sun with this, and here you and, and here you go. And this is also going to be the basis of our uh, of our of our currency. And we we get Doom showing up like whoa, like no, <laughs> no, no, like who's your fucking leader? And uh, yeah, the balance of power will be out of control when Doom shows up and says, "You cannot do this." Correct, correct. And who's who's the leader here? Who is your god? Who's your president? And Storm comes out of a portal. Me, <laughs> Storm is the like you wanted your new leader. We got Storm. Uh, and that's she, this is the sound of my eyes getting yeah. really wide and bright because that's a bold. Not because it's Storm, but it's like because. It's it's a good not choice. Because, not, not, not the writers being like, it's going to be Storm, but because Storm stepping up and being like, I'm your freaking leader. Yeah. Dude, that's solid. That's a great yeah. why, why wouldn't it be Storm? Of course. I have no reason for it not to be Storm. I'm saying, like, uh, I'm saying I think, that it's an, I think that it's a bold move for her as a character, not a bold move for Marvel writing her to be that person. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, but I, mean, I hope they have a direction to take it. That's badass. It, it's it's it harkens back to when she was the leader of the Morlocks, when she was depowered. <clears throat> like that that was that was wonderful when yeah. she had the, the Mohawk. But uh, before we get out of the X books, the one thing I do want to ask both you gentlemen is is in your opinion, aren't the mutants breaking every single one of their three commandments? They are harming humans. By giving them a miracle drug, so no matter what you do, you just take this drug. Uh, they're, they're, they're abusing the power of um, <clears throat> the resurrection protocols. There's already like severe hypocrisy in the list of who gets to get resurrected. Uh, Mystique died to try to bring back her lover, Destiny, 
And, like, they still didn't bother to bump her up, even though Mystique still kind of did her best to do the mission. She didn't succeed in destroying the Nimrod, but at the same time, she still deserved it. Uh, and also, uh, make more mutants. They, they, these guys are just, they're, they're fucking like bunnies, man. Like, they don't give a shit. There's no consequences to any of their actions right now. And I think that is what Hickman's main vibration is going on right now, is that they, they, they've got the ability to continually uh, resurrect each other. They've got their own world now, where, you know, Technically, Sentinels can't come after them, but obviously that's going to be an issue because we've got an orbiting, you know, space base outside of the sun. They're they're breaking every one of their rules. They're, they're, what space base? Out, outside of the sun, that's where Mystique showed up. Uh, that that was more House of X and Powers of Ten. Uh, What's where, it called? Do you know? Uh, no, I, I don't remember the name of it. It's okay. it's it's, uh, it's not Starcore, is it? No, it's not that. Okay. But, but they're they're breaking every one of the rules. They're being a bunch of fucking hypocrites, and they're. Uh, I think what we're really, leading... of course, if you're going to create a new civilization, a new world, new laws, those new laws aren't going to get broken. How fast can you break a law after it's been made? You know, mm-hmm. you can't drive fast. Pfft, I'm driving fast, man. You can't stop me from that. I'm. Unis the untouchable. I can do whatever, you know, or something like that. Or I'm, you know, I mean, it's just like all of these characters in a world with no consequences, but with a world with three rules. It's like, okay, somebody says we can't break the rules. How do I profit off of not they're, following that? They're not you know consciously what I mean? doing it on purpose, but they're they're just being hypocrites. So they they their rules are not so much. You don't think so? Do you remember? Free, uh, what was it? Dude, it help was, us. Yeah, yes. it was the. Uh, I want to say it was. The New Mutants episode we rev- or issue we reviewed a while ago, everybody was talking about their first time. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time you died. And, like, they were willingly throwing themselves in front of bullets. Yeah. Just to, just to die because they knew they were going to get resurrected. Correct. They knew, they knew no matter what, they were going to be fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, if, if you're free, if you're and if you're a teenager and you know that you're gonna you, like, who wouldn't do it? Basically, there'd be that one kid that would be like, oh, I don't want to do it. You know, what if something goes wrong? And everybody else would be like, Fuck it, dude. If this was the way that they could somehow, with some kind of like temporal bending, explain how come so many characters have died and been resurrected in the entire history of the marvel comics universe you know they would have saved themselves they would have created a credibility that could be could never be surpassed even if it stopped happening after this creative team was working on all of this you know and the thing is too though is that there's like five people that are basically the ones in charge of freaking bringing back the mutants if those five, if like any number of those five people die, yeah, the whole process is screwed. You yeah. kill the gold balls, you're done. Yeah, you're done. He's the one that makes the, the cocoons. Gold balls. He, yeah, he's the one that makes the cocoons. The 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 the, the one thing uh, that popped in my head was yeah, there's no consequences. But the one time they did show the consequences is when X twenty three and uh, Darwin and I can't remember the other dude's name go into the vault that that uh, master mold. That's got that time-trapped uh, entity space that is more evolved than them to try to investigate how to destroy them because they are a, a better version of 
that they're the next step in evolution and how to destroy them. And they were trapped there for uh, hundreds of years. And Darwin completely has an amazing like love relationship with X twenty three. He's the only one that makes it out. He gets it out. He gets out just in time for Xavier to copy his head from afar before he gets like a bullet to the brain and they bring him back out and they resurrect X-23 and Dorman's looking at him looking at her just you know love Lorne and he remembers and she's like what the fuck are you looking at and it's it, it there's a lot of different things here and I like how they explore every little intricity like Jesus man we've, we've, we've been talking for about 30 minutes on just two fucking books um, yeah. it's it's there's this is literature this is this is again i'm going to bring it up like this is my fields this is why it's important Dudes, i'm sending you i just sent you, I, I know <laughs> that's just a weird thing to say no go for it because we're recording this uh and because we have listeners but i've just sent you guys a text that i don't think we should broadcast right because it pertains to this and i'm not talking about cancel culture and i'm talking about any kind of scandalous yeah. thing i'm talking about like Wow, this is a creative narrative concept that we need to hold on to for our own material Agreed. that I think is as exciting. Did you read it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude. I mean, when you think about that, I'm sorry. It's 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 hard for you, not, me not to invite all of our minefielders. But there's some to ideas. Party on there's this. some ideas but that like, we have while we're going through minefields that we can't. We tell have you because to. Yeah, we got to keep it. For we our need own to source. be able to try to find a way. It, you you know, we we as creatives draw concepts from every place that we experience in our lives from all of the content that we absorb you know maybe we're just opening a dr pepper and drinking it and we're like oh that's a whole thing in this story like it could be mundane it could be gigantic and like the i i, I don't want to not clue you all in but you know hey if we ever we get material out there that people are reading and or watching or something like that and they come down, and we're in a panel discussion. I don't know. Somebody's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, one time we were talking about this thing in X-Men, and it was like, yeah, that was where that idea came from. I mean, you think about what I'm what I'm saying there. And, like, when we're talking about how they could create a credibility that per is pervasive for decades of comic book past history, crossing every border of every creative team, every writer... Every world-ending paradox, every reset, like, the opportunity presents itself. It's always disappointing that nobody wants to mess with that stuff. And, like, right here, right here, we're seeing a place where they could do that. And then this idea that I've just thrown out there is, like, the flip side of that same coin. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Man. Let me uh, let me burn through uh, three real quick. Uh, yeah, hit it. Spawn's universe number one. I have zero faith that this is gonna last. That Todd McFarlane. I, I want it to succeed, but I have zero <clears> faith in it. It's a Spawn comic. It's a uh, quick little flashes for introducing a couple new characters and focusing on like Jessica Priest saying goodbye to her, her kid and her mom. And it's 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 a Spawn comic. I, I really don't think that this Spawn's universe thing is gonna succeed. That they're gonna create like. The way that we have uh, an X-Men universe within the Marvel universe that's completely separate. That he's trying to do that with with Spawn. And Spawn isn't as juicy as the X-Men can be. It doesn't have as much clout for its meaning. I, I, 
I want it to succeed, but I don't think it will. It was actually pretty boring. Teenage Mutant Turtles number 118, we see, we finally see since, uh, the big battle in, uh, in Manhattan where the, uh, the bomb went off and, uh, ton, like, hundreds of people, thousands, were, were gassed with mutagen and trapped in, uh, their own little place in Manhattan, which is, like, mutant town, and, but... When the Splinter, when Splinter died, he encountered Rokusaki, who was battling the curse, the, the the dragon curse, that had penetrated his family for for generations of them being a natural enemy of anything that's good, and fought his way out of hell, and met up with um, Hamato Yoshi on his way into heaven, and you know, please protect my boys. And this issue is him showing up as a ethereal figure that knows the future and when, like when like instances with Karai and uh, we've got the, our time traveler on the mm. way on the mm. way out right. before before our time travel leaves she sees Rokusaki she's like Uncle Saki what are you doing here and he's like hey I'm just he's basically I'm just kind of chilling just just watching things go on and he's fixing things like where Leo is in the garden, and uh, one of the um, one of the peers that is holding up the greenhouse is about to break. He comes out of nowhere, out of the smoke, and like fixes it really quick, and then disappears. Uh, he he's the one that changed the radio when uh, April O'Neil is like needing some sort of inspiration uh, to go against Mayor Baxter Stockman, who she just found out <laughs> is. Uh, Doing uh, severe <laughs> human mutant mutant um, genetic engineering with things that are extremely dangerous, and she wants to expose it. He changes the radio channel to uh, Mikey's bootleg uh, FM station, <laughs> his podcast. Like, hey, we're gonna meet up. We're gonna do this, uh, and he's he's being the, the good uncle. It is it is wonderful seeing this happen. Um, we're getting to a story with the Rat King, that, like where the Rat King is part of a oh, a, a, pan, a, a fantheon of uh, endless esque Neil Gaiman, Sandman, like Destiny, Dream. Uh, he's part of an anthropomorphic type pantheon that control everything throughout the the universe, and he's about to run wild in uh, New York City. And uh, something is killing the children. We get the uh, the history of Erica, our monster hunter, that. Uh, I've just been falling over for in love with just how great the story is, but her introduction into the House of Slaughter, and she, her family was decimated by a monster. She defeated it as a child. One of the monster hunters from the House of Slaughter shows up <clears throat> and decides to bring her into the Pantheon as well. I'm gonna use that word again, and everyone's pissed off because it's this giant mansion. There's protocol, there's rules, there's things you have to do to even just even look at the fucking building, not let alone be let in. And she, her trainer is telling her, listen, tomorrow we're going to break you. Um, every, is it going to hurt? Yeah, it's going to hurt a lot. Like, basically, we're going to test the limits of your psyche. And it's... It was a quick read. It wasn't Talking Heads, but we've got a lot of great new characters that and and revisit some people we already know. But goddamn, like they, these these books, these little morsels here. I I, I don't want to give too much away because these things like really need to be experienced as opposed to what we've 
slaved over from Green Arrow to the X-Men. But that's what I got on those guys. But go f- give us uh, the uh, Heroes Reborn universe. I appreciate you giving me the time. Yeah, man, absolutely. Oh, man. All right, so I'm going to try to short box what is easily a long box article. Of course. Um, <laughs> that's kind of... All right, so all right, Squadron Supreme or the Squadron Sinister, depending on which iteration you happen to be reading... You know, obviously Marvel has always had a beef with uh, DC. And the squadron that we're dealing with in this story has its um, flip side of the coin in the DC universe. Uh, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, The Flash. These are quantifiably the characters that have their amalgams in this squadron. And so... I legit have no idea how we got here. I was I haven't been reading whatever developed into it. It's just like, boom, oh, Hyperion's on the cover of a book. Oh, yeah, I like Hyperion. Uh, he's an interesting character in the Marvel U. He is, you know, Superman-esque. He's not Gladiator. He's not Thor. He's not... Uh, uh, there was a character that I think Robert Kirkman did in uh, Marvel Knight Spider-Man in like 2000, I don't know, eight, that was a Superman character. All of these guys are, you know, Power Princess is Wonder Woman. Um, the Wizard is Flash. Uh, it's obvious when you read it because DC characters are cross-culturally so obvious and so powerful you can't not notice who they are and so we're reading this thing or going into it so the heroes reborn saga uh i started with american knights which was luke cage as a detective uh like the police commissioner going around and trying to figure out what was going on with uh, just crazy crap that was happening in his city and going and talking to Daredevil, who was an adept of Mephisto. And I'm like, wow, that's wild. But it kind of makes sense because even if he was in an, in an, is it an evil alternate reality? No, not necessarily. It's a flip side alternate reality where Mephisto happens to be God. Um, Daredevil slash Matt Murdock would still be faithful and powerfully faithful so much so that even if he wasn't a lawyer he's he's a priest or you know and he he worships Mephisto and he's got this televangelist kind of concept going on that was the first one I read out of this whole business and I was kind of like oh wow this is you know an alternate reality they're trying to develop but there's as usual an event book going on that's going to go on for six issues turns out it's seven and then uh, maybe eight, if you want to qualify Heroes Return, which came out this this last week. Right. And then, um, and then uh, I did like the Marvel. What was it? Was it Double Action, Triple Action? What, what was this other one here? Because I read it a while double, ago. Double Action. Marvel Double Action, focusing specifically on Nighthawk, which quantifiably, just like Batman may be the most interesting character going on in DC Comics 
Yeah, you like that? You like that? I see. I see hand gestures on my screen. So, I mean, who can? I mean, Batman, a fascinating guy. When you got Batman, you got Superman, you got orphans, you've got unknown family quotients, you've got raised by other people. There are similarities there, but in the end, these guys have a completely different view on how to uh, how to how to deal with crime in their respective cities or in the world. How to operate in the real world the crazy aspect of this stuff is that the squadron supreme doesn't have a problem with killing people you get rid of them you destroy them you quash them you eliminate them from them on so you you've got the joker is the green goblin and he one time you know he dropped uh he dropped sam wilson the falcon off of a bridge and killed him rather than Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy's in the story, but he like poisoned her to make her crazy so that Nighthawk had to fight her. And not only was she crazy, but she was super powerful. So of course he had to use his full might. The weird thing about the Nighthawk is that in the Nighthawk issue, we find out that not only does he, he's taken a serum unlike Batman, so that at he may only have to sleep like one hour every so often to regain his powers, but at night, he gains his powers. Wonderful. And that's that goes beyond the... That's, that's supernatural, that's superhuman compared to Batman. Now, additionally, he ends up being the guy with the symbiote. He is quantifiably the Spider-Man of the Squadron Supreme Marvel Universe. Uh, he's a genius... He has the Batman storyline. He has the money of Batman, and he's a congressman, and he operates in Washington D.C. So there's that crazy aspect of stuff. Hyperion operates globally. He is atomically powered. He is an alien from another world, and he was raised by government elements of the United States, which imbued within him a powerful nationalistic patriotism. And all of these characters are nationalistically patriot going joe ledger colonel joe ledger is the man who came up with the power prism and became the green lantern amalgam and he has flown all over the universe all over the galaxy through multiple dimensions he is cross spatial cross dimensional to the point where he is kind of the doctor strange of the whole situation however some of the other characters in this scenario have Doctor Strange concept qualities additionally because when you only because the whole point is the Avengers don't exist in this reality right and so you don't have 475 different possible Avengers and I'm just throwing that arbitrary number out there you have 492 492 yeah not 198 so um when you've got that many Avengers and they all have their abilities but then you have five squadron supreme guys it begs the question does that amount of power in the universe diffuse itself amongst all of those avengers or does it coalesce itself in the five most powerful people in reality so much so that maybe your daredevil who might be imbued but with power by nefisto or your black cat or your dr doom who gets dealt with 
handily and immediately in the Hyperion issue of the story, um, are they not powerful? Because that much powerful has a quantifiable amount to it. And when you've got a Hyperion sucking up all of that energy, and you've got a Zarda, the power princess, and you've got a power prism sucking up all of that, like, they're, you know, it's giant. Now, I don't think anybody was ever doing that. I think that's what I'm reading into. I don't think anybody in this storyline was trying to suggest that. But, again, minefielders, when we don't reveal something, I just want to reveal something. I feel like I'm revealing this idea that I'm like, is power something that there's a finite amount of in a reality? And can you mess with that when you're writing a narrative? I don't think they try to do it. I just think that uh, it's an interesting concept because when you fight Hyperion, when all of the books, in all of the time I've been reading books that have to do with Hyperion, when Thor and Hyperion fight, it is a massive slugfest. Hyperion fights and kills the Hulk in his issue. Flat Power out Princess. That was, that was one of the early Ooh. ones, right? Like, he just... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Laser eye blasts like you know rapid fire holes punched through the hulk and the hulk remembers like okay the hulk remembers that this isn't right this isn't the real universe but of course he's in incapable of articulating that to anybody because of his limited speech capabilities and then simultaneously they play him off as a bizarro concept speaking in backwards vernacular opposing hyperion good play so um because simultaneously every marvel character gets to play out there like are you a villain okay you're this villain are you the joker you're the penguin you're the whatever you know uh you're you're bizarro you're i don't know mangog like right. mangog like wonder woman zarda power princess has to fight uh the Algog who defeated and destroyed Asgard. So you have characters who exist in the Marvel Universe who are non-entities, essentially. Blade, the vampire hunter, who is a vampire hunter in a world with no vampires to hunt. And we find out in the Nighthawk book, it's because Nighthawk eliminated all of the vampires. So how did Blade persist, I wonder? But something happens because of his spiritual, or spirit, supernatural, rather, acumen, for him to realize that whatever happened here, with Mephisto being so powerful in this reality, that he remembers this isn't the way it's supposed to be. So I beg you, I beseech you, minefielders, go back and look at House of M. What was that same story? This isn't right. This isn't our reality. Wolverine wakes up and he's, I don't get it. I don't understand why it just doesn't feel right. And he goes and he finds a mutant kid who remembers everything about the previous existing universe like you go back to that jessica jones book after battle world and she's like yeah this isn't right this isn't the way it's supposed to go that guy's like i just killed my family because it doesn't matter she was annoying it doesn't make any difference reed richards knows you know dr pym knows they all know this isn't the real universe like that's what i appreciate about all of their interesting resets or at least attempts because i don't feel like This is any kind of a reset. Now, if you think Thor got too powerful in the last two or three years, and he's King Thor, 
Right. And you want limited Thor where Odin is Odin and Freya's still alive and Loki is a bad guy or maybe he's a slightly sexy, greasy, you know, dark-haired, approachable, you know, hedonistic, maybe gay guy. Like, fuck you don't know. Horse. Fuck the <laughs> horse. Maybe fuck the horse. Who the hell knows? He's got hepatitis C, but not from the blood transfusion. It was, uh, it was, it was the other way. Sorry, it's a Lonely Island lyric. But um, <laughs> all of that business, like, want things to be the way they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago in Marvel Comics, they're just going to reset stuff every so often. This is a kick-ass way to reset that. I don't know how this all started. I didn't see that. I don't know if it was in the pages of Avengers. Somebody can clean me up on that. But it, this is where we out, are. It came out of nowhere. Like that's yeah, my, that's like, my beast. Ooh. That's one of my beasts with it. It came it out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, we're the, there was no onslaught leading into Heroes Reborn, the original one. <laughs> <laughs> there's no uh, there's no road to annihilation here. There's no road to Heroes Reborn. Thank you very much. You know what Chris. it is? That's the sad fact of it. When you go back and look at all of Marvel's big switch ups. Heroes Reborn initially was not a highlight of anything. They were just like, hey, yeah, blah, 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 issue 396 of whatever book we happen to be on is going to be the last issue, and then it's going to be a number one. And then six months from then, it's going to be a number one. And then 12 months from that, it's going to be a number one because we're changing creative teams. And you were just renum- we're just renumbering the whole thing because – your older brother was reading this and you liked it, and now you're wanting to read it, but you need a start-off point. Oh my god, here's number one of Ant-Man. So you like Ant-Man, because your brother got you sold on Ant-Man. He had an Ant-Man action figure, and you're like, I'm going to read number one, because you're four. And you're like, I need a jumping-off point for a whole new story that I can follow, and I can put my 395 to 599 into uh, every two weeks or month for the next six or nine months until I get bored with it. There's no contiguity. It's not a real word, but I say it at work all the time. It's t- consistency. T- contig- contiguity. 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 Cont- contiguousness. Con- no, it's contiguity. Contiguity. That's what I'm saying. Contiguity. So, like, that's my beef. It's all about selling comics, and but it's really all about selling toys. And it's all about licensing you know you're gonna make a bunch of hero clicks based off of this people are gonna buy you're gonna make a bunch of action figures based off you're gonna create a new costume concept that people are gonna make money off of when you go and buy a t-shirt at comic-con there's gonna be a king thor t-shirt and it's gonna be a different looking thor and somebody's gonna say oh i like that because i like that time period no big deal i don't decry any of that but what i'm getting at is this is an event book, and they even in issue seven say this might be like what? What the hell is going on? We don't know. Like, why do none of us remember these Avengers? Are these Avengers the bad guys? Are they a danger to us? Are they going to ruin the American way of life? And you've got Phil Coulson, the leader of Shield in the Agents of Shield TV series, who is president of the United States and has a Hell Cube as opposed to a Cosmic Cube, oh. and he using that as a conduit of Mephisto's power into his corporeal reality and uh, 
Is it a gateway component? No, none of it ever makes any difference. They never do any. It like yeah, they use it and uses it as raw power. But like, like I say, if you're just gonna restart the universe every two or three years, this is a hackneyed bullshit attempt to do it because there's no ancillary work done to make this happen. I couldn't. However, it. I'm surprised. You I still liked it because. I like the take on it because I in issues seven of Heroes Reborn and in the issue of Heroes Return, the concept of Americanism is so potent. It made me look at what have we gone through as a country nationally with an extraordinarily, if you want to call it nationalist as opposed to straight up selfish recent president to a, no, this is the way it's supposed to be, administration, which I couldn't even quantify that we were in before Trump or even now. I don't think that there is a way it's supposed to be anymore. Because every concept that you agree with as an American, if you're on one side or the other, it's not right. We're not right anymore about anything. We can get canceled at any given time. And this is how I backtrack to where we're going, where we were. It's a paradox of American concept because Hyperion, Nighthawk, Joe Ledger, who was way under, on like in his issue, like, oh God, I mean, I could have taken like six issues focusing on each of these characters slowly figuring this out. Was it, would it and be worth it? Would it be worth it? That's, it's not a matter of whether or not I think it's worth it. It's a matter of whether or not the, the, creative team could make it worth it make it worth our while they could have capitalized on this for a year how long does it take for the squadron supreme to figure out as a detectives what the heck is going on how long does it take after that for the woken avengers who are not even the original like any realistic core of avengers echo come on blade what yeah. uh captain america obviously Tony Stark doesn't even play into this thing. Um, that's not even the big three. Thor makes a whole lot of sense. Like, Cap and Thor, I get it. But, like, dude, the Cap that you guys brought out of the ice in that story has nothing to do not with the with any of the time periods since, since Avengers number four. So, like, he doesn't have any of that history. So It's just, like I say, this is... This is interesting for a lot of reasons, but it doesn't go nearly far enough. This is a turnkey opportunity for them to say, okay, if you guys want us to go back to the old way so that we can constantly go back to Tony Stark being this way and Cap being that way and Thor being that way and whatever, and we'll just develop the Avengers roster off of whatever we happen to need right now. Does it need to be Wolverine so we can, because you guys, do, do we need to make Deadpool an Avenger? Do we need, uh, oh, Jesus. What what random girl characters can we throw in there? Tiger. Do we have any trans Arab characters that we can throw in there? Like, okay, guys, do whatever you want. I don't care anymore. You know, it's because it's, it's just resetting over and over and over and over, and there is no core group of Avengers anymore. Back to status quo. Back to status quo. Back to status quo. Dude, I don't know what status quo is anymore when Luke Cage, Wolverine, and Spider-Man were on the Avengers for the last ten years. 
We need more Wonder Man. Wonder Man. Wonder Man. You know, you want to go back a ways. Wonder Man is a... He was a MODOK. Legit character. The MODOK, that uh, cartoon series you were yeah. talking about? The, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what? He, ends up, he ends up dating MODOK, uh, MODOK's wife. <laughs> Wonder Man back in the Korvox saga was fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, the, he's ultra-powerful. It, it just... I, it, I don't know why this, this series chapped me. It was like... It was. It was just. Is this a cash grab? Do I should no, I care? No, I don't about think these? it is a cash grab. Should I care? About I think these it's a reset, pure and simple. Well, if they, it it just doesn't. It doesn't have the gravitas, in my opinion, to to be a full reset. It doesn't. It doesn't focus. One. I mean, like, if you're gonna do a reset, we have cameos by. A dozen characters who should have had way more going on with them than they did. And what's more, we had cameos by characters who got killed off in seconds. And I think that's fine because it's like, okay, it's just candy. All right. Oh, Hank Pym became Ultron and was destroyed by Hyperion because Hyperion is ultra powerful. Oh, uh, this character got killed by Zardra because she's ultra powerful. Um, the wizard fights this character who's an amalgamation of, you know, it's the Silver Witch. It's it's Scarlet Witch and it's Quicksilver. You know, okay, ultimately defeated because of this, you know, and then somebody kills Green Goblin. And it's like, okay, you know, I, I dig. Like, we're just killing these characters one after one after the other. It's But the, ultimately, none of this makes any difference to me. The, the qualifying aspect of this entire business to me is the idea of ultranationalism oh versus status quo the status quo is we have characters like captain america and every avenger who do not want to kill anybody versus ultranationalists who are like no put it to death eliminate it destroy it it's done i killed ultron i killed the green goblin i killed dr octopus i killed these problems I'm an American. We just take care of it. We don't let these things continue to be a problem. Dude, we do. We let China, we let Russia, we let them continue to be a problem. The more I look into American history, yeah, you know, you got to stop Nazi Germany. You got to stop Imperial Japan. We're letting... We have, we have an ultra-right-wing leader in Japan right now. That doesn't mean he's going to say, like, oh, you know, we should be Imperial Japan again. We have ultra-dangerous communists in control of China right now that are oppressing and suppressing what should quantifiably be human rights. We have a brand-new, vicious Iranian leader... Do we care? We should freaking care when all of our economy is built up in China. We should care if Japan decides we don't want to go this direction with the U.S. anymore. There's no way they're not good, that they're going to do that. But like, at the same time, it's like, are we letting these things happen because our money is tied up in those places? Yes. So I'm fascinated by the ultra-nationalist concept of america versus the rest of the world in these stories because 
we have to wonder what the rest of the world is like in that area. And that's that's I can go on and on and on about this, but like I'm not looking at these books one after the other. If you want a qualified comic book reference chart for this, the Heroes Reborn books focus specifically on one of the Squadron Supreme characters after the next. They are all fascinating. They're all good. They're all awesome in their individual components. And then there is a secondary story at the back of each one where Blade or Echo or Captain America catches up with a previous, like another character from our regular continuity and says, yeah, you're you're not alone. Yeah, we're developing it. Yeah, we're going to get into this big thing at the end. And, And yeah, they do for one issue, you know? So in that, it's the same formula. What's going on for like five issues? And then somebody walks in and is like, I'm a badass and I'm going to hit somebody with a shield. And that solves things, you know? But like, that's it's it's that same formula. But focusing on these characters as character studies and the world that they could have created is pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. But you can go back and you get the 12-issue limited series of the Squadron Supreme that came out in the 80s. You can go back and you can look at Squadron Supreme versus the Ultimate Universe, uh, as depicted by Greg, Greg Land. Greg Land? Yeah. Greg Land. Yeah. Uh, you can go back and you can look at the uh, Squadron Supreme book that came out in the early 2000s, which these are all their own thing with the same characters. This is the attempt to get these characters into the main continuity. And the crazy thing is, like, Hyperion, Nighthawk, they're running around doing stuff in the regular continuity. It's just the difference between whether or not they're the most powerful badasses on the block or are they catering to whatever happens to be. Like, Hyperion should just be an Avenger. He's he is better than the Sentry well, because he's plausible and sustainable after, as a character. Anyway. After everything, what would you rank it as? One to ten? I give it a solid eight, like legitimately. Like individually, those issues are kick ass. As a whole, I give it a solid five. I, I, I give them an eight for effort. No, you know what? I don't. I give them a. I give them a D for effort. Um, you know, because like, it, like I say, there's no ancillary support. There's no foundation. There was no lead up. There was no road to Heroes Reborn. There was nothing to indicate this was going to happen. There was no crazy moment in Doctor Strange where he dropped the cosmic cube and reality was shot out or something like that. Nothing happened. Where did this come from? Why did they do this? How is this going to affect anything? This isn't Battle World. This isn't No More Mutants. It's not House of M. It's not Secret Invasion. It's not Dark Avengers. Like nothing built into this. Well, one of the things I want to factor into how we rate things is how many times we read it. And mm. that's, like, when I... The next comic I wanted to bring up is Stray Dogs, and I read it probably three, four times in, Ooh, nice. in one day. Uh, did, you guys uh-huh. ever, did you guys ever see uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven? Mm-hmm. Did you ever yes. see the yes. difference between the oh, animation uh, of the golden age of Disney with like Cinderella to Bambi to like the the early seventies more scratchy uh, yeah. like aristocrats yeah. and great uh-huh. uh, mouse detective? Well, they 
the, the, the point of this book is that the animation, like, uh, it's not even a comic book, uh, it's, it, it takes that Disney focus where everything's soft and pretty and stylized, and it puts these animals in absolute peril. Like, the, the, the thing is, is that from issue one, this is issue five, uh, this is the end of the, the first run, because they're going to do another run, a, a different story. But these dogs are, have been, like, they, they, they find themselves in a situation where they are absolutely in love with their master. He's the best guy in the world. Nothing about him is bad. Just don't go in that one room. And as our, 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 as we get Sophie, the little Pomeranian, she uh, finds a scarf and, and smells it and immediately has a flashback of seeing the master murder her her former master. And like like think think of a serial killer that doesn't take uh, jewelry or, or hair clips as mementos. He takes their fucking dogs. And oh, wow. now. We've got Earl, the, 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 the Basset Hound, a la Copper from uh, Fox and the Hound. Like, because you're not going to not trust him because he's the, he's the classic Basset Hound. And he's like, no, there's no way the Master is, this, is, 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 is a, a bad guy. And he sneaks into the, the Forbidden Room and smells something and he remembers. And that's when mm -hmm. the Master gets home and he's got a shotgun. He's like, hey, you're on punishment. And Earl attacks the Master right to the jugular. Uh, and takes off, and then we have five or six pages of Earl r bloody mouth because he the the master missed a shot, bloody mouth run 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 I don't care, and everyone's like what the hell's going on what the hell's going on like like we hear the blasting and he's like run and he jumps through a, a plate glass window, lands on the ground outside completely covered in cuts I mean the, the, this is disjointing from the sort of um, when you see this sort of stylized uh, artwork, you're not going to see a dog covered in fucking cuts. Imogen, the, the, the bigger dog, sees what's going on and lays into the master and knocks him down the stairs and buys him some time. They all run out. They can't get, like, the master's house is right by a highway. Vroom, vroom, vroom. There are, there's no escape. Yeah, they got past the fence. But there's no escape, and he's coming, and he's he's bleeding, and he's pissed, and he's gonna kill some fucking dogs. And Earl, as while while they're while they're struggling to figure out where to go, uh, the cars won't slow down, and Earl steps into traffic, and takes it. And it it was I I have never in my life ever put down a book so quickly and just walked away. Like like I, I had to get away from the book just entirely. Like that that was so goddamn upsetting that he took one for the team and then boom, 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 massive pileup, massive pileup. And uh, Master comes out and one of the people in the car wreck sees Master, you know, come out holding his throat with a shotgun. And she's like, are you okay? And all the dogs are like, 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 stay away, stay away, stay away. And, and then he just collapsed dead. And uh, all the cops show up, and they're like, "Oh my God!" What the, they they have no idea what's going on because they, they can't communicate with with the humans. Luckily, drug sniffing dog shows up. Hey, what's going on here? They're thank God, <laughs> thank God, and like like they're, they're like one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, and the bodies buried under the porch. In the back. Yeah, in the back. 
And he, he, what's going on, boy? Like, where are you taking me? And, like, you know, like, oh, shit, uh, you guys got to see this. And then helicopters. And then more and more uh, troopers show up. And Earl took it for the team, man. And But when he took it, like, he's laying there. And all of them are circling him. All the cars are just freshly steaming. And, like, Earl, is, is he okay? And, and he just looks up at them with his dying breath. He says, I remembered. And collapses dead. And then we get this heartbreaking scene of all the dogs like woo like booing in mourning and like oh god this broke me and it it ends with one of the best happy endings I've ever seen where uh, we see Sophie little the little Pomeranian running around at, at a dog park and she bumps into our hero uh, one of our other former heroes that he, he's kind of trampish a la Lady and the Tramp and they're not really showing too much the dialogue, but they're just so happy to see each other. And as we hear the the, the masters like, "Hey, uh, wow, they're in love! Like, look at them! They just like <laughs> and like, yeah, she's a stray. We got her at this at this place. Well, ours is a stray too. We think he's like six or seven years old. And like, oh, honey, like we gotta go home. Come on, we gotta get in the car. Are you in love? And 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 then, and then she she pauses and she thinks and she remembers and then it's good girl let's go home but uh, Earl stepping in a traffic man holy shit like it just it, like I love the testimonials uh, from all of the other uh, comic artists like at the very end we got Kyle Higgins one of the last ones was Chip Zdarsky uh, Stray Dogs is one of the best ideas I've ever heard made all the better by the flawless execution and mystery of tone my new favorite book and I if, 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 if you missed the boat on this one, guys, uh, I've, been, I've been barking at you. Uh, yeah, you have. I tried to. I talked to a guy this weekend about it. I was like, "Can you guys tell me if you guys have have these issues?" And the dude was like, uh, "I'm trying to get an issue five right now because I've got them, but they are sold out." Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we were we were leaving uh, a place in Amarillo and. I bought like a couple of them that were were missing from my collection, and I was like, they had a number one. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna buy number one and give it to Tony because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let what happened with Saga number one with you, <laughs> not paying attention. Like, yeah, like, uh, like let's just just put it in the box and wait it for it to to, to build up. But it's it maybe really happy, and I'm looking forward to the next iteration of uh, Stray Dogs called Dog Days. And we'll see what happens there. But that's that's all I got, yeah. guys. I'm 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 beat. I'll tell you this. I'm looking on the eBay right now. It's not the place to go to be buying comics. Go right. to your locals. But I'm seeing a full issue: one, two, three, four, and five complete set, first print, Image Comics, 2020 to 21, near mint to mint, uh, 159 plus dollars plus shipping. You know, I mean, it's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. It, it, but it's it's not it's the story's that goddamn that goddamn good to merit the price. Dude, nothing. I mean, like when you find anything that elicits that massive of an emotional response, you are that's money, that's time well spent, and it's something worth keeping. You know, we always talk about Grant Morrison's We Three. Yep. And, uh, you know, this, this, this is very different than that. <laughs> you got a get, special guest star, don't you, Tony? <laughs> Uno momento, por favor.
There you go. There you go. Guys, we're I, I'm I'm beat. Let's, let's just wrap this up, guys. Uh, yeah, dude. This was dangerous. This was a dangerous episode right there. This... We got canceled 63 times. Oh, dude. Uh, I saw it. I I was clued into the to the administration, and they hit a button, and there was a red light that went off every time we got canceled. All these awesome. independent thoughts. God damn. <laughs> yeah. But uh, dude, I really appreciate the 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 wind down on Heroes Reborn and and Rebirth. It was just it was hard for me to digest, and uh, thanks for breaking it down that way. And yeah, for real. The mm-hmm. the concept of what's happening in Kokoa and on Mars now, and we'll see. What, oh, are they are they going to bring it back to the status quo? God, please don't do that. I, I don't. I don't want. Oh, uh, that's the whole I, deal. I, yeah. I, I don't want it to end. We're we're. Uh, we, Hickman's like, well, that story's over, and we're going back to Winchester, we're back at the mansion, and here's these new guys. Ah, oh, fuck that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Here's a bunch of random students. This kid has a lizard tongue. That's his mutation. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Wolverine is trying to get a beer out of the fridge, but they don't have any because it's a school. I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not long for that. We're moments away from that. If you want that, they should reactivate the ultimate you. And uh, uh, funny you say that. Uh, do that again. <laughs> funny you say that. Uh, Venom's on the hunt for the maker, and he's <laughs> and he's going to the ultimate you. So we're gonna see that happen. But Venom in the ultimate. Venom is about to be the next Deadpool. Uh, it's just gonna be like, hey, I can go anywhere and I can say anything. Because I'm wild and crazy and I'm Venom and my Carnage movie is about to come out. But Tony, bring yeah. us home, man. We need more Kid Omega. Oh, <laughs> Kid Omega. Good character. Totally. We need more Kid Omega always in the universe. Need, always need new Kid Omega. But yeah, this is dangerous. This is minefields. This transmission is over.